Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Opposites React. It is episode 68 on May 11, 12, May 12, 2021. <laughs> I am Sarah and I'm here with Tyler. How are you? Pretty good, thanks. How are you? I am dandy. Good. What you up to? Oh, I don't have much new to report in terms of video games, obviously. How about you? Anything new? You've been up to? Uh, not much. I did. Uh, I've been playing a little bit more Pokemon Snap. I mm-hmm. unlocked a few new areas, so that's been nice to finally to see some Charmanders, take some cute pictures of them playing together. Uh, and I did see. I finally unlocked uh, a place in the jungle where Bulbasaur lives, so that was nice too. I'm still missing Squirtle, so I'm still waiting for that. But yeah, that's been fun. Just a really amazing, just chill game. You go on, you take a couple pictures, and you get off. Uh, and then I do stream on Tuesday nights and. My little sister asked me to play Donkey Kong Country 2, and I would never say no to playing that game because the soundtrack is just so good. It's worth like me dying a whole bunch of times just listening to the soundtrack more and more. So that was really fun to do. But yeah, that's all I've been doing. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm not going to... I don't have anything big to update in terms of Apex Legends or MLB The Show. They're both good. I still play them both on and off whenever one's server is working or not working. <laughs> <laughs> I can alternate. Um but I actually wanted to, today. It's going to be a movie-heavy podcast. That is the main topic today. But also, before we get into that, a couple of movies I want to talk about that we actually watched recently. Or sorry. Oh my gosh! I totally forgot we watched that movie. Jeez. Okay, you remember the exact name? Or are you going to never? It? Okay. It's is it okay? Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's an M word. Marshalls. No, you're already Mitchell's, wrong. Mitchell's. 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 Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah, it's yes. You want to say it more confidently? The Mitchells versus oh, the, the machines. Oh, that. Yes. See, I was already wrong. Yes, I was good. I forgot I was going to mention this movie um it was on, it's been on netflix since i think the last week of, of april april 30th i think um it is from the same people that made the spider yeah into the spider verse movie so it's an animated movie well same studio same it's not studio. the exact same like sorry but yes but yeah yeah um and this movie is amazing i loved this movie um we watched it with lucas lucas loved it it had such good humor for all ages um and humor types that i could not recommend this movie enough i like it's like one of the, my favorite movies i've watched at least in the past few years how do you feel i got a lot of opinions are you done because i'm gonna go on a bit of a tangent oh, here so. um i just uh, <laughs> i guess i'll name uh, i think the story was hilarious mm-hmm. um just the writing was great in general. The soundtrack was awesome. And just the animation in general, like the choices they made in some of the parts. And the dog is like the funniest dog you'll ever see on a film. Those are my favorites. Now you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, to basically echo what you said already. Um, this movie came out of nowhere for me. Um, there wasn't really any any hype, any hype that I'd heard mm-hmm. about beforehand. Like I literally just saw people talk about this on social media and on forums. And I'm like, what is this movie everybody's raving about? So I'll, I'll have to check it out. So... Just look at these. Uh, these when you just Google the name of the movie, which again is called "The Mitchells versus the Machines." Uh, and these are the first few things that pop up, like in terms of top stories. It says "The Mitchells versus the Machines" has been Netflix's top U.S. film for nine days in a row. It may already be the best animated movie of the year. Uh, a few other glowing reviews, and then uh, for those of you that care about Rotten Tomatoes, it has a ninety-seven percent rating, which is pretty well, great. Call up those people that disliked it, and yeah, give them a, a, um, a wall. Yeah, up. honestly, for me, this is one of the best animated films I've ever seen, and 
probably i mean it's easily in the running for my, one of my top five films of this year which isn't same the same much hasn't been that many great mm. movies already this year but even at the end of this year if everything comes out as planned and i actually do get to go back to theaters at some point i honestly still see this finding a spot in my top 10 it's, it's that good like i debated going to bed early and watching it again <laughs> kind of thing and i do not do that yeah like sarah had already mentioned that the humor is amazing the voice acting was all great mm-hmm. um you know, you got you got some good voice acting in there. You got Danny McBride playing the father. You got you know, she's um, oh, sorry, Abby Abby Jacobson and Maya Rudolph and a bunch of other great voice actors. A lot actors. of Saturday Night Live people. Said, there right? is there's a lot of Saturday Night Live cast in there. Conan O'Brien even has a voice in it. You got like Olivia Coleman. You got uh, Beck Bennett. Like some other SNL people, Fred Armisen. But anyways, um, yeah, it's the animation. Like I said, was amazing. It's mm-hmm. if you've seen Into the Spider Verse, which is also done by this Sony and Sony Pictures Animation. Um, the animation that was amazing as well, and in this one it's no different. Uh, yeah, I was just I was caught off guard how much I really enjoy this movie. Not even just for the humor, because I mean, most animated film, you know, you watch, you watch the Lego movies mm-hmm. and you watch, you know, Pixar stuff, and you're laughing once in a while. But this movie consistently had me laughing. Yeah, even, I was like, even what like is the down parts, even <laughs> like when it would recycle the same gags yeah. over and over, and never wore out its welcome, like with the yeah, dog. I know. <laughs> We're not going to spoil anything about the dog because no, you need to go in, to. but <laughs> the dog is a huge part of the story. Um, but even like it had it had a lot of heart because that, so uh, much. The, the movie is at its core it's about the father daughter dynamic mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it really does pull in your heartstrings towards the end um, yeah the daughter's great. going off to college yeah. and the dad it can't really doesn't really get what like she's going to film school and he, her father is more like um like a handyman doesn't do electronics stuff so he doesn't really understand her they don't they don't meld together so it's about them getting, coming together before she goes away to college. I thought that it was interesting. One of the comparisons I saw when I heard about this movie the first time, uh, and I don't know if this is intentional by the, the director and the writer or not. The director and the writer are the same person, by the way, I believe. But so I don't know if this is intentional, but people are making the comparison between the basic the basic storyline of this, not the mm-hmm. whole plot, but the basic storyline in connection with the Goofy movie. Yeah, I could definitely see yeah. that. And the yeah. Bear, the Bear Bones plot, yeah, you can see the some of the similarities there. but Which is also a great movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, honestly, I can't recommend it enough. Like, and, and even if you don't have kids, you don't have to, yeah. watch, you don't have to watch it with kids. Mm-hmm. You can watch it as an adult and still enjoy still it I think. hilarious yeah. yeah um yeah so that, that's my piece on that i i yeah i don't have good things to say about it personally did, did you watch something else i did so actually so i should have mentioned this last week but that i guess that goes to show if i didn't mention a movie that i watched two weeks ago on last week's podcast it probably didn't leave that much of an impression on me but i'll still talk about it because it is a newer movie that i did see and i might as well talk about it because how often do we get new movies nowadays <laughs> especially for those that can't go back to theaters yet but so uh, I think it was last day of April. Actually, I think April 30th is when it came out on Amazon Prime. I'd sort of been looking forward to this movie, but like, there was a little hype for me on this one beforehand because I, I liked the director and the writer and the actor involved. Even though the trailer made this movie look very bare bones, generic sort of action movie, I was still intrigued. So it's called um, Tom Clancy's Without Remorse. That's the full title. I mean, you can just call it Without Remorse. The reason that Tom Clancy's on there is because it's based on a Tom Clancy novel. Although from what I've heard, they changed a lot of the novel for this screenplay. Mm. Like The character is still the same, but a lot of the plot of the book is not similar to the movie but there's a reason for that which i'll put in minor spoilers at the end of my brief review here but i'll just say like i said i was mildly intrigued by this because going in you had you know the main character john clark being played by michael b jordan okay yeah. those don't know from recent creed films mm-hmm. um and he's obviously he's in you know he's, he's also black panther um he, i mean he's in great shape he's um he's perfect for this kind of role. Like, you know, if you're looking for like a new action hero who's in like their thirties to build mm-hmm. a franchise around, he'd be the one I'd say. Um, I was intrigued going in because again, the director, uh, I'm probably gonna pronounce the name wrong. I think it's Steph- Stefano Salima, Stefano Salima. Uh, he also directed the uh, sequel to Sicario. 
Uh, Day of the Soldado, I believe it was called. So I, I saw that one in theaters, and I, I liked it. It wasn't as good as the original Sicario, but again, it's a totally different team, like different director and, and mostly different actors. So I didn't expect it to be a direct sequel. The Sicario sequel was okay, but it was that was co-written by Taylor Sheridan, who I really like. Okay. And he also co-wrote this movie. So again, you have that director and writer together that I like already, and an actor I like. So I'm like, okay, this could be good, right? When I saw the trailer, I was like, eh, it looks like you know one of your generic straight to dvd i mean not when i say straight to dvd i don't mean the budget looks bad just the plot looks very basic and mm-hmm. the you know i'm not expecting much out of it but so anyways i watched it and when the movie rolled when the credits rolled i was like it was good i mean <laughs> it's kind of movie that i don't mind wasting a couple hours mm-hmm. on um but it's nothing i'm probably gonna go back and rewatch. nothing i'm really gonna remember you know a few days later obviously since i mentioned on the podcast but it was good for what it was i mean it, it um the action was good in the movie I mean, it's it's your it's your very typical like it literally is about like America versus Russia in the oh. modern day though. Okay. Uh, and so yeah, like you know, it's it. There's a lot of I don't want to even call it twists. Like there's you can you can see every twist or like reveal in this movie coming ahead of time. If you've seen an action movie or any kind of spy <laughs> movie in the last thirty years, you'll know what to expect from this movie. There's not really not any surprises, especially when they have. There's not very many big name actors in the movie, but one of the actors that people might recognize is Guy Pierce, and he plays sort of like one of the U.S. Central Intelligence operatives, like one of the head, um, the guy behind the desk, you know what I mean? Okay. And so when he's like giving all these instructions to, to to Michael B. Jordan's character, to John, and sending him undercover in all these like other countries, you know like he's, you don't have an actor like him in a role like that unless he's going to be the surprise bad guy. Oh, <laughs> this yeah. This isn't much yeah. of a spoiler because really you'll know halfway through this movie that he's behind <laughs> it. But yeah, there, there was some decent action in the movie. Like I said, uh, some interesting scenarios I thought were, kind of clever that you don't usually see in action movies like this like it wasn't that cliched but anyways long story short at the end of the movie uh credits are rolling and then there's like a mid i'd heard about this while i kept watching there's a mid credit scene um where um you know michael b jordan's character survives this movie it's not much of a spoiler like i say he, he, he dies so he survives the movie and at the end of the movie it's like one year later from the events of this film and it's basically setting up that like he's talking to somebody else in the CIA or wherever, and they're, they're talking about setting up the Rainbow Initiative. Oh, so for here those, we go. So those who don't know about Tom Clancy, like Rainbow Six is a huge yeah. thing. So I think that's re- the reason why Amazon put this movie out. Because a lot of people said this movie felt kind of rushed, just the filming and the directing and everything, even the writing. This movie just felt like it was kind of put together quickly, and I feel like it probably was just so that Amazon can get this out there and create like the sort of their Tom Clancy-verse. They yeah. want to have their own little... Because it. they already have that Jack Ryan show. Yes. That's had two seasons now. Now you have this movie. I don't, I don't know if I can try and tie all this stuff together, um, but you can definitely... like You can spin off in a lot of different directions from this. There's so many different Tom Clancy things to... Like adaptions and novel, adaptations and novels to... To, to build from so jack ryan is part of the Tom yeah. clancy verse yeah oh, didn't know I mean, that. jack ryan movies have been around for over 30 years harrison ford did a bunch of those movies in the 90s this is all news to me yeah so <laughs> anyways um yeah so without remorse if you're like we're watching amazon prime it's probably it's probably been advertised all over there for the last two weeks anyways you probably can't miss it but it's if you want to just put it on while you're doing something in the background or you know it, the movie doesn't really you don't have to put spend that much of your attention on it it's not that deep of a movie were you wa- watching it while working no, no, I literally just sat oh, there with did. a couple you beers and some chips and I was watching oh. it. And I was just like, this is a tip. It's just, it's, just it's, it's like any other spy movie you see in the 90s. There's no surprises in this movie. But it was, it was Good okay. Good for what it was. Yeah, sure. If I saw it in theaters, I might be a little annoyed that I right. wasted like 15 bucks on it. But for watching at home, it's fine. Yes, I only paid the Amazon Prime price <laughs> per year to watch it. So anyways, we're getting to our topic now before I ramble on too long. Um, 
So I think we've done a similar topic to this in the past, although you, when I mentioned to you earlier, you told me we sort of did the opposite end of the spectrum on this one. So I'm sort of flipping the script here a bit. But in the in one of our past podcasts, it's probably been a few months by now since I've spoken about this, but at one point I did talk about movies that um, had bad like budget to box office ratios, right. like ones that didn't make their money back or were huge box office busts, that kind of thing. So I'm kind of going the opposite this time. I looked at movies that were profitable on small budgets and had great box office returns. And by great, I don't mean they made hundreds of millions. I just mean like as a percentage, like, yeah. you know, if, they, if someone made a film for a million and they made a hundred million on it, it's obviously a great profit margin, mm-hmm. right? So even factoring in any kind of marketing. But so yeah, I have a short list here and I, I sort of organized it by... I'm go- if we're going to go low to high here in terms of budget. So okay. I'm starting with the lowest budgets first. So this, this doesn't mean these films are going up in profitability. Okay. I, like, you know, the, the first one I mentioned here doesn't mean it's at least profitable. I'm just going by lowest starting budget and right. going up from there. Okay. And all these movies you'll have heard of and probably even seen. I tried to stick to movies from the last, like, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple exceptions in here, and I'll mention why I left them on here. Okay. And then while we go over these movies, too, maybe we can mention why we think they were so successful. Okay. Considering, you know, like, what, why, you know, was it word of mouth? Was it, you know, mm. marketing? So, anyways, very first one I'm going to come up with here. And this is the only one on this list that's actually a documentary. Okay. I think this is this is over 20 years. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't check the year on this one. I cannot remember. I'm pretty sure I saw this in high school, so I don't think it's over 20 years old. But, um. Anyways, the first one on the list is uh, Super Size Me. Remember the... Oh, the McDonald's yeah. one. Morgan Spurlock, I think, was the uh, documentarian's name. Anyways, um, budget of $65,000. Was that his food budget? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and again, I don't know if that's like his money or if he has some investors behind the scenes. But sixty-five mm-hmm. grand for this documentary, and it made $29 million, Yeah. Which is pretty good. I mean, this was in the era where back... In like let's say the late nineties, early two thousands, most documentaries were like those Michael Moore type. Yeah, Bowling for Columbine, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, Fahrenheit nine eleven, yeah. stuff like that. But like Super Size Me was pretty cool. Like you said at the time, it was something different. It was a guy who I, if I remember correctly, I think his goal was he was gonna eat only McDonald's for thirty days. Yeah. So every like, meal so like a day. three meals a day or whatever. And basically and then he would like go to the doctors and yeah. get checkups and they'd be like, Oh my gosh, you gained so much weight and look at your blood pressure and and he'd be literally be getting like sick in his car, like throwing up from eating yeah. McDonald's every day. So, you know, it, it probably scared a lot of people off of McDonald's or fast food yeah, in general, it's not, but it's a bit excessive. I mean, no one's gonna, no one's going to eat that much every day, no. right? Like he was just trying to make a point, though, that obviously fast food is very. If you're living on a fast food diet, it's very unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. So that that point got across, right? But it was an entertaining movie and it definitely was. had a message, and it wasn't like you know, um, uh, I don't want to say clickbait. It's not the right term, but it wasn't like you know, just shock journalism like it is nowadays. No. I would say that the movie had a purpose. I think it's. It was yeah. So anyway, I, again, I think that's what part of the draw for it was. You didn't see documentaries like that back then. Uh, I mean, nowadays, obviously, you can find something like this probably on any kind of streaming service say, so like, easily. Somebody could just do this on YouTube now, and right, it yeah, would or like be a, a thing. Blog or something. Hundred percent. So it it kind of started probably an era of that kind of stuff. Sure. Yeah. I think he did another one after this. I think so. Um, I can't remember. What but it was I can't about, remember though. either. Uh, anyways, next one on the list. I mentioned this one to you earlier. You'll remember this one. Uh, we mentioned probably on a couple of podcasts before as well as we both really like this film. But um, it was a, I guess we'll call it a musical, right? A musical. I'll call it, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what year it came out. It was sometime in the mid-2000s. I was going to say early 2000s, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's called Once. Yeah, we definitely that's the that's, that's, that's the movie about the two musicians. That, were they a couple? No. Or was it just, there was friends or something. They but, came together in the movie and you like you wanted them to get together, right, but in yeah, the end yeah. they they went apart. So but again it like it got you know, it got some Academy Award recognition for the music. Mm-hmm. Not for like, the acting or anything, but for the music. But again, this is a movie that was done on a budget of hundred and sixty thousand mm-hmm. dollars and it made twenty million. So 
for a movie like this, again, it's, it's, I think this was mostly word of mouth. Like people, yeah, like this, the soundtrack was so amazing mm-hmm. and it was kind of unconventional love story that people yeah. just kind of fell, fell in love with it. Um, next one on this list is definitely a movie that I, 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 really, en- I really enjoyed seeing this in theaters and I, it's still the kind of movie I can rewatch every couple of years, even though it's a movie that's like heavy, heavily relying on twists and stuff, even though knowing what's coming, I just really appreciate this movie because... And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it started a subgenre of other terrible films of this type. But for me, the original one is amazing. And that's the very first Saw film. Oh, that movie is so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was done on a budget of $1.2 million, um, And it made uh, $103 million. So wow. great ratio. And again, this was, it's pretty, that's a great, that's a great ratio, not only because of the budget, but because this was obviously, like, no one knew at the time this would be the start of a franchise. This was of like course. a whole new idea. It's yeah. not like this, it's not like this was like a new Friday the 13th film or like um, a Halloween film or any of that stuff. This was like a whole new thing. Psycho thriller. And I think, again, this was just word of mouth and, yeah. and the marketing. For sure. People were like, a lot of this had to do, I'm sure a lot of people would probably be like, oh man, like the last... 10 minutes are amazing yeah. probably spoiling the twist for everybody but if you didn't know the twist going in yeah which i didn't i saw i think i saw this in theaters completely blind like on a whim i was just like oh i heard this movie is good i'm gonna watch it yeah. and i was amazed like how good yeah. this we movie rented was. it completely yeah. blind and it was so good and it's unfortunate that i think they've done seven of these films now there's a new one coming out this summer but for me the first saw is the best yeah they got sure. they got progressively worse they after did. that uh, a lot of that had to do because you didn't have the same director and writer on most of them. But I think, honestly, the first one just captured that, like, lightning in the bottle. Mm-hmm. And it was just so good. Um, yeah. And, and like I said, it's uh, it did start a whole new subgenre. Of, that, see, that's the thing is that I didn't I try not to include too many of these types of films on my list. But when I was researching this earlier, I did find that if you're looking for movies that have small budgets to make a big profit, there's a huge marketing for huge market for that in the horror genre mm. there's so many horror films i mean you can go back to the original the the easiest example which i didn't put on this list i think everybody knows it by now but the biggest example of a small budget that made a ton of money was like the blair witch project yeah shaky cam yeah <laughs> and then even the, or even like the paranormal activity films mm. that kind of stuff because they're so easy to film right like i have a couple movies in my head i'll yeah. ask you about later but anyways um, i didn't put those on my list but the saw one for me definitely stands out for sure especially because they made Obviously, as they made more films in this franchise, the budget got a little higher for each yeah. one, but they still weren't big budget films. Like most of them probably under like 20 million, and they still made a huge profit because yeah. they, they come out like every Halloween and people just ate them up because oh, they yeah, like to sure. watch that kind of stuff. But um, okay, next on the list, and this is probably the, oh, the option, say probably this is the oldest film on this list for sure, but I, I, I had to include at least one James Bond film on here. And I found this interesting because this is, if you're going to do a, 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 if you're going to do a, percentage of budget compared to box office this is the winner even though obviously nowadays bond films bring in like a billion dollars but the mm. budgets are like 300 million or something yeah. nowadays right so for the original the best example was the third james bond film goldfinger with james with james with sean connery <laughs> um uh budget of three million which again that was back in the 60s so but still, three, still yeah three million dollars and it made 125 million which back nice. then was a lot of money yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah that's definitely the example of the best and, and again that's sort of like that's when bond hit its stride because the first two bond films are great mm-hmm. but i think it was by the third one that's when they sort of like perfected that formula and everybody like loved sean connery and mm-hmm. it's like oh yeah this is like this is the new james bond right so um yeah goldfinger was definitely that that best the, the time when the franchise sort of peaked in terms of profiting, right? Right. So, and I mean, they've always been profitable, yeah. but um, yeah, nowadays there's so much more budget spent on, especially mm-hmm. on marketing. Well, they got to catch up to like Mission Impossible. People love those ones. They got to kind of be more flashy like that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next one that says, I, I can never remember if you've seen this movie or not, or if I just told you about this movie so many times, <laughs> but I really like this movie. It came out, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I think. Maybe not even that long ago. Um, 
it's actually on, it's actually on Netflix now. It just came on Netflix recently. If you want to watch this, if you haven't seen it yet, it's doesn't have a, it has a very generic title, unfortunately. And I just realized there's actually another movie with this same name that came out. Oh no! So this movie is called The Gift. Okay. There was another, there was another movie called The Gift that came out. I think in like early 2000s. So that's not the one I'm thinking. Of. I think that one had like Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder and a bunch of other people <laughs> in it. That was. But this one, yeah, this one came out I think like five six years ago. It's called the so it's called The Gift. It's got uh, like Jason Bateman, Joel Edgerton. Rebecca Hall, uh, a few other actors. It's it's definitely a small budget. It's only it's only a budget of five million, huh. which considering the acting involved is pretty yeah. good. Um, and it made fifty nine, which again five million fifty nine is not a yeah. huge. But again, for me, I think I'm impressed that this movie did so well. I think it had a lot of it had to do with it had great reviews and word of mouth because obviously, like I said, the title doesn't doesn't draw you mm-hmm. in really. The actors are nothing amazing. Like you hear the actors like yeah, I know them, but you know it's not going to make you run to the theater probably to <laughs> see it. So for me, I think this one it was just a really good psychological thriller i'm oh, not going to give does. away the twist at the end or anything but um yeah i remember it had a really good trailer which kind of intrigued me and then the good word of mouth like i said but yeah it's just this sort of start i don't want to say this started that trend but you've seen a lot more of these movies in the last five or six years where it's one of those movies where it's like you have a married couple and there's like a stranger from their past that gets sort of like connected to their life mm. again and then from there it all turns into like twists and turns and suspense and it was just a really well-made film i thought um you know it didn't rely on like jump scares and um or any obviously gore or anything but yeah it was um for me it was just a really good story and um i really like the acting especially seeing jason bateman kind of playing like a well he's played jerks before but in this case he's trying to balance that line of playing like a husband trying to protect his wife but also like his past is coming back to him mm. with someone that he had an issue with and so he plays a really good line of being like intimidating but i remember this movie now you do yes, yeah i remember what you're talking about yeah. okay i remember a scene you ca- have described mm-hmm. to me a bazillion right. times but yeah, yeah yeah he says on netflix now yes okay cool yeah, so go watch it the gift um next and obviously the, we've seen this one before and this is an interesting one to go back and revisit nowadays in light of recent events but um juno i was gonna ask <laughs> about this one i don't know if it feels indie or it was indie <laughs> well i wasn't even gonna mention that i was just gonna say more to do with ellen page Elliot i know, I know page, that but i mean but like in my head i, yeah, I, I was very sure. much the movie's very much product of its time well 100 percent. it was it was so indie when it came out whether it was the soundtrack or the writing and the dialogue just the way that oh the soundtrack talked. for sure yeah. was just like <laughs> yeah but yeah so again so juno i didn't realize he even made this much but juno on a budget of seven seven point five million it made 231 million i saw it yeah. three times in theaters so mm-hmm. i helped you're welcome um yeah again i don't know if it's a movie that really hold up as well nowadays no there's some parts do like the the, the dynamic between uh El- I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say ellen page at the time she was ellen page now she goes and by elliot page Sarah. but and michael Sarah had a good dynamic. i was gonna say even the dynamic between her and her father oh yeah for was sure, very good for and, sure, or the yeah. mom or any of them yeah, yeah and then again you and then you also had that the plot weaving oh, in with with jason bateman and, and uh, jennifer garner's Carter. character trying to be surrogates which yeah. was i love jennifer Garner. yeah it was really it was a good film um but yeah it's very much product of its time i think and, yeah. I, and, I, and i don't know if that's why it just did so well back then like it just i don't know what it was that it became so popular but everybody was quoting it and yeah. like <laughs> um yeah it was it's just so weird like it's yeah just it was so quirky. quirky it was quirky yeah yeah for sure um this one's a little more recent i think this one's five or six years ago um nightcrawler oh know? for sure yeah, yeah jake yeah. gyllenhaal yep. yeah Again, not a huge ratio here. Like we're talking eight eight million budget and fifty million box office. But, okay. but again, with this one, it, it's a hard movie to market because. Yeah, I feel it, like it's so good, and I would like to tell more people about it. Like you see the title, and the first thing most people think of is like, "Is this an X Men film?" Yeah, no. I feel superhero, <laughs> superhero, one hundred percent. But yeah, it's. I mean, Gyllenhaal is so good in this movie. Yeah. Um, 
and I know I've talked about this before. I'm not going to give away the whole plot or anything. I'll just say I, it might be on Netflix. I can't remember, but you should go watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a really good film. Pacing is great. It just the movie just flows so well, mm-hmm. and, and you never want to stop watching because he's just so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, I saw that one in theaters. I really liked it. Um, don't have much more to say about it. No, I, like I, just, to go, I would like to rewatch it. Yeah. It's been a hot minute. Uh, here's another one from the, here's another sort of, maybe tying in with the Juno era. Maybe it came out the same year as Juno, I'm not sure, but this is definitely of that quirky type of indie filmmaking, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Remember? Oh, of course. Yes. This one actually impressed me that it was only done on a budget of $8 million, considering all the actors that were involved. Like, none of them, none of them were, maybe weren't huge actors at the time, but you had, like, you know, you had Greg Kinnear, you had Tony Collette, Steve Carell. Oh, yeah, Steve Alan Arkin and obviously Abigail Breslin as a little girl was yeah. that was her breakthrough role. But like and Paul Dano as the brother, yes, like all great actors nowadays. But even back then, they were known for the most part. But for me, like that movie again is just sort of like that quirky family dynamic. Oh, 100%. But it also had a lot of heart to it yeah. because you have a lot of weird things. You had a lot of subplots going on. You know, you got Steve Carell playing like a suicidal character. Mm-hmm. You got the brother who's basically mute. a mute um the family who's like the based on the verge of divorce like yeah. the parents the grandfather who's like just says whatever's on his mind yes. he just the, co- the comedy relief um but yeah it was a great film though and had a lot of heart and like i said it was funny and uh, yeah it was just, it was i don't know i feel like the mid-2000s was that perfect era of like all these indie <laughs> quirky indie films yeah. you know what i mean um but yeah that's another great one and again made 100 million on an 8 million budget Jeez. so that's that's pretty good uh, here's another. This would be the last oldie. What I call it. This is only from the '90s, not that old. But um, <laughs> what are you trying to say about I know, us? Well, this one actually surprised me too. With again the the budget, considering the actors involved in this one, um, Pulp Fiction from oh, 1994, I believe. Is that John Travolta? Well, so yeah, so budget of eight million, okay. which again, Tarantino wasn't a huge director back then. The '90s mm. is when he got his start, but still, back then you had like yeah, John Travolta, you had Uma Thurman, Samuel yes. L. Jackson, Bruce Willis. Wow, those are like um, you would think yeah, way more. Y- you think they only make like eight million each, almost. Yeah. But um, again, so I don't know if they just all signed on to really like the script, or but obviously that movie was the product of it. Again, I think Pulp Fiction is still watchable nowadays for sure, but uh, it was definitely like. I mean, people can probably debate whether they think it's one of Tarantino's best or not. Um, for me, it's, you know, maybe bottom top five. I like it, but I think his newer films are a little bit better. I think he's gotten he's got better eight, as a director. So. Um, well, it depends how you want to count Kill Bill. Is it one or two films? Oh, no. Oh, but, snap. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, getting back to So, Pulp Fiction, though, again. So, $8 million budget, $213 million box office, which is a lot for the wow. 90s. Especially for a movie like that type. Because, again, it's, it's I don't know, it's kind of a movie where... You have a lot of subplots going on. Everything sort of interconnects between the characters. But at the same time, it's almost like there's three separate movies going on in there. And there's one over overlapping storyline. Do you remember it that well or no? I never watched it. Oh, really? No. Okay. So you're not going to talk about no. what we're talking about. No. But um, I, wasn't Travolta huge at this time, though, too? Like, this was his. No, thing. this was like his. This was his comeback. Oh, was this it? This movie is like what got him back on track. Okay. Because, okay. yeah, he was big in like the 70s and 80s. And then he sort of fell off a bit. And then Tarantino, like, this sort of, like, brought his career back up. And then the funny thing is after that, even though he wasn't necessarily playing a bad guy in this film, after this, he sort of got his comeback as playing bad guys. Like Face <laughs> like Off. Face Off and um, Broken Arrow yes. and a bunch of other films. But anyways, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, when most people think of this movie, they think of Travolta as a stand-up. But obviously, like, Samuel Jackson's got so many quotable lines from this movie. This was also a big, I want to say, like a breakout role for him. because He was well-known back then still, but this was, like, I don't know. Similar Jackson at his peak, especially with the the, the cursing and the <laughs> the next. Th- I got three more on the list. The next thing on this list, the budget's starting to jump up a little bit here for this, for this part. The last films we've been talking about have all been under ten mils, and we're getting up here a little bit. But I still think these are worth mentioning based on the ratio and 
and the reason for why they did so well. So, um, cause two of these films are based on books too, but, um, first one, next one on the list here is, uh, prisoners Remember prisoners came out four or five years ago with, mm. with Hugh Jackman. Okay. And, I was going to say Hugh Jackman. Jake yes. Gyllenhaal and Had Jake Gyllenhaal too. Yeah. He was the cop. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So good. I'm sure I talked about this when we were here before. Yeah. For those that don't know, yeah, Hugh Jackman plays like a father, his daughter, and his and one of his friends' uh, daughters get kidnapped, and Jake Gyllenhaal is playing the cop trying to find them. The investigation. Um, so for me, like again, it's 46 million budget, which obviously is a jump up compared to the other films we mm-hmm. talked about. But 46 million is also not a lot, especially when you consider. Um, I don't know. You watch this film, you can just tell by the cinematography and the art direction and everything. This movie had some money behind it, right? But not like excessively. But uh, budget, or sorry, it made 122 million, okay, which so is impressive for a movie like this because this is drama. And again, try, yeah. how do you market something like this? I mean, who, who as a as a parent or someone who's even lost a child, God forbid, in the past, would want to watch a movie like this, right? Like you wouldn't want to with it's, Wolverine in it. Yeah, yeah. Hugh Jackman's <laughs> giving a great performance, but it's not like he's not beating people. Well, I shouldn't say he's not beating people up, but mm. he's uh, he's dabbing yeah, it up, right? He's he's being very intense in this movie, yeah. and Gyllenhaal is also very intense as the cop. But the movie is at its core drama, mm-hmm. and it's not a lot going on for those that want like an action movie. That's yeah. not what this is. But I don't know. I just I, I again I saw this in theaters. I loved it. Um, it encapsulates I, it really well. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a great film to watch if you're in the mindset for yeah. it. Like you know, it's a dark movie. It's depressing to watch, but uh, it's a good film. Um, next, we got uh, one of my favorite, and again, I know I mentioned this film before, but one of my favorite underrated. Scorsese films I feel no one really talks about people be like ah, I think I've seen that once I mean this movie's been out for 10 years now but um Shutter Island I love Shutter Island I love Shutter Island too and it's it's very rare I don't think I think it's rare that Scorsese adapts movies from books too and this mm. was a book and I love the author uh Dennis Lehane I think it's pronounced Lehane Dennis Lehane did the wrote the book Shutter Island okay and he also wrote um uh, he also wrote like Gone Baby Gone. He oh, did The Drop. Yeah. Okay. Good um, books. Good books. A couple other ones that I like of his too. But anyways, he's a really good author. And uh, if uh, I read, I read the book, and the book, oh. the book is the movie is very faithful to the book. Okay. Um, there's some differences, but very minor. Okay. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I think it's one. I guess it's one of first Scorsese's most underrated films. I think. Um, he doesn't. There's nothing super stylish about the film, which mm-hmm. is very well made. Obviously, well acted. You have a great cast, and you, know, you got DiCaprio in the main role. You got, uh, you know, Mark Ruffalo, Ben Kingsley, and um, uh, oh, so many other actors. I can't think it was it. Michelle Williams was the wife. Um, anyways, great cast and great movie. Uh, love the ending. I can rewatch this movie so many times and like notice something new every time. It's one of those kind of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, very nuanced. Uh, and so, yeah, sorry, I didn't even mention the numbers, but budget of $80 million, which again is not, first course days, that's not terribly out of reach. They would throw more if they wanted. Exactly. To. And it made 300 Okay. Which is pretty good. For that kind of movie, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a what you watch it once movie right. at a theater. Yeah, thing. this isn't like a franchise film no. or anything. So anytime you get a movie they're making it that much. I think a lot of it probably had to do with you know, again, you had great director, great actor mm-hmm. behind it. But and the last one on the list I'll mention here, uh is again based on uh, based on another book is uh Gone Girl. Okay, yep. Yeah. Again, great you Love know, Gone Girl. Yeah, great director, David Fincher, you got great uh great actor in my opinion there's not many actors in film because really at, at its core it's about two people but yeah. you have ben affleck and rosamund pike in the main role as and, husband and wife oh what's his face what, tyler perry no <laughs> what are you thinking of neil patrick harris oh neil patrick harris yes yeah. that's right he has a small role in the yeah. film but um so gone girl was done on a budget of 61 million which again not huge considering the director and actors involved and it made 369 just it's big. such yeah. a good movie and again based on a book which i've heard very faithful to the book um i haven't read the book but i've heard it's i think my sister read it and she said it yeah. was really good so 
yeah, again, I, again, I just think it was word of mouth and great press. Everybody's praising this movie. Um, but this, for me, it's the style. David Fincher is such a good director. I love the way this film, oh, the soundtrack too. Mm-hmm. So good. Like, I think Trent Reznor and Alex Ross he did the soundtrack. Boss. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, all the movies are great. They are. They're all great films. And like I said, I think that they're all, there's a reason why they all made so much money on such small budgets because they're either well-made or well-marketed or word of mouth. Everybody's just like, go see this, you know, so. Or maybe that proves that you don't need a big budget to make a great film. True. I mean, oh. you can obviously tell, like, I didn't put any superhero films on this list because well, those all make like, money. Loaded. Yeah, they all make money, but they also all have budgets. we got to like, pay to keep you know, the Captain America alive and here with us. But again, us. too, I think there's something to be said about, you know, most superhero movies are, you can switch out a few details and they're all pretty much the same type of films. Mm. Like from point A to point B, yeah, a lot of throw these the dart different spot. I think there's a lot of nuance in a lot of films on this list. There's a lot of great plots and, mm-hmm. and, and acting in these movies, like yeah. some psycho thrillers. And yeah, you got some thrillers. You got some they're mostly thrillers and dramas. Yeah. I don't have like big action films on here. Yeah. Obviously, those have big budgets, but yeah. um yeah, I don't know. It's funny actually. Now that we now that I thought about, it, I didn't. Uh, I'm gonna look up one more just off the top of my head because I know it's gonna bug me if I don't find out the numbers. I'm sure there's one I wanted to ask you about also. Okay, I mean, I've mentioned this movie in probably like twenty percent of our po- our movie podcasts already. Is so it I don't collateral? Wanna, yeah, <laughs> but you know me. If you want another quick example, I'm trying to think of a movie that was like more of a drama, mm. small, like you know, involving two or three main actors, like not a huge cast. Yeah, so true. in this case, yeah, Collateral was done on a sixty-five million budget, which again, Tom Cruise probably got a big portion yeah. of that. Sixty-five million and it made two twenty. So Jamie Fox ratio. wasn't big money, right? He wasn't big either. back then. Yeah. Um, I wasn't Cloverfield in the same kind of vein. Yeah, Cloverfield would be like a. Um, it's one of those like found footage. You know, everything's done yeah. with the handy shaky cam, cam, shaky yeah. cam thing. Yeah. Oh, definitely, Cloverfield is definitely a huge profitable one. I'll look it up right now. That would be like, came out in two thousand eight. Budget of twenty five million, and it made one seventy two. So yeah, that's a yeah. good one too. And that's like one. We, not a lot of the movies that you mentioned have a lot of special effects, but that one. That had one, a yeah. Lot. That one had some good special effects for a small budget. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I'll give it that. It used its budget wisely. Yes. Because they had like no actors to pay no, for, but they're exactly. all like nobody Nobody's. actors. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I go watch any of those movies. I recommended. I'm sure some people probably. I mean, come on. At this point, if you haven't seen like Goldfinger or Pulp Fiction or um other old one that I have on the list, I thought there was another. Yeah, those are the older ones, I guess. But <laughs> I'm sure most of the movies you've at least heard of before. Um, I mean, I think I own most of these. Yeah, I think I own at least eight of the films on this list. But So if you've seen any of these movies or uh, if you have any that we've missed, you can email us at whenoppositesreact at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We appreciate the support as always. We'd love to hear from you if you want to send us an email next week. And uh, we'll be back at the same time next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>